Chad, as I always say, we've had some great guests on this program, but each time I say this could be the biggest guest, no, really, this time, it's really the biggest guest we have ever had on the Friendly Confides podcast. And honestly, I don't know if we're ever going to get anyone as big as Joe Buck. Well, for me, I'm I, Joe Buck is outstanding, and 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 one of the nuggets that that he talks about, and and I, I asked him that question: Where does that calling the, the game seven in, in Cleveland? Where does that rank? He said it's at the very top. So that gave me a newfound respect for for Joe. For me, I still have my my top guest. I still want Pat Hughes. We're still going to go after Pat Hughes. Um, I know you've got some big ones you want to go after, but Joe Buck. I mean, to to hear his insights and his his experience. Uh, just uh, amazing. And that's why we're bringing this special edition episode right to you. It's coming up right now. Time now for the seventh inning stretch here on the Friendly Confines. And Chad, we have had some tremendous guests over the years here on this podcast, but I can honestly say we have uh, hit the jackpot and the absolute lottery today uh, with our guest uh, from Fox Sports, the number one broadcaster. He has uh, been doing Super Bowls, the World Series, the U.S. Open, you name a huge event, and he has done it. It is the one and only Joe Buck joining us here on the Friendly Confines. Joe, I don't know if you lost a bet or not to come on this program, but we'll take it. Welcome to the Friendly Confines with Chad and Ryan. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm happy. I'm happy to do it. Uh, I got the email that, uh, one of you two guys sent and it, uh, it, I, I responded just cause of the way you worded it. So well done. You hooked me. And now here we are talking Cubs for the next X amount of minutes. <laughs> well, I'll take Love full it. credit for the email. That was all me. So if you <laughs> tell me I hooked you, I will, I will take that to my grave. So thank well, you I for mean, that. I get it. You know, if, if you're doing a podcast and you're, putting lines in the water and trying to get somebody to do somebody to say yes. I've tried to book shows. I had a show on HBO that rapidly became the Artie Lang experience uh, <laughs> back in the day, like 2010, I think it was, 2009, somewhere in there. Yeah. Uh, and even at HBO, it was hard to book people. Uh, so I get it, and uh, I'm always happy to help when I can. Well, it is such a, such an awesome thing of you to do and appreciate you hanging out, uh, hanging out with us for the next few minutes. Of course, you can find Joe on Twitter, at Buck. And don't forget, Joe has a tremendous book that's out. I read it myself. Um, which was actually the original way I was connected with Joe. Lucky Bastard is the name of the book. Uh, my life, my dad, and the things I'm not allowed to say on TV. I can honestly say, Chad, it is an incredible read. Uh, and Joe is just really raw. And we're, we're going to talk about the book a little bit as well. But Joe, first, let's just talk about the Cubs a little bit uh, as we uh, talk uh, some, some Cubs baseball here at first. Uh, it seems like it's just been a Jekyll and Hyde situation for this team. At Wrigley, they seem to be basically unbeatable. But then on the road, they, they forget how to play baseball, it seems like. From what you've maybe been able to see of this team, is there anything that you can potentially pinpoint as to why this team plays so much better at Wrigley and then terrible on the road? You know, let's let's start this first answer off with, with this understanding. You guys know way more about the Chicago Cubs in 2019 than I do, and way more about the history of the Chicago Cubs than I do. I'm just a, a guy that uh, 
I'm, I'm my dad's son uh, grew up in St. Louis, and I'm lucky to, enough to do these games nationally. And, and I know we're going to get into 2016 and, and what that was like in my career and in my life. Uh, but I, I've done a couple of their games this year. I just I, I didn't love their pitching coming into the start of the season. To answer your question specifically, uh, when we've sat down with Joe Madden uh, in, for the couple of games that I've done this year, and both games were Cardinals-Cubs, um, he was talking about how the wind has predominantly been blowing in and how their pitching has been able to take more advantage of that at home than any team that's come in as a visitor at Wrigley this season. Uh, beyond that, I don't, you know, splits are something that, for the most part, unless it's right-handed against right-handed pitchers or lefty on lefty, splits don't really do that, uh, don't do a whole lot for me. So as far as home and road, it's just tough to figure. You know, for the longest time, the Cubs would struggle, and I had friends that would end up playing there, and, and they really believed that, you know, with the – number of day games that, that they were playing at Wrigley compared to the typical baseball life and the typical baseball schedule uh, and, and the way the stadium used to be with, with kind of antiquated facilities, they thought it was a big disadvantage playing at Wrigley. I think a lot of that's gone now, you know, with obviously more night games, uh, better batting cages, better facilities. You know, these guys are if I was a Chicago Cup player, I'd live at Wrigley Field with the way they've, they've built up uh, their clubhouse and kind of the underneath of that stadium. So I, it, it's, it's hard for me as an outsider to say here's why they've been good at home and bad on the road. I think some of that stuff just becomes luck and have happenstance and certain guys pitch better at home than they do on the road. But it's just been that kind of season. It's not just Chicago. It's the Cardinals. It's the it's the uh, Brewers, it's the Pirates. It's like nobody can get on any consistent role in the Central Division, and, and this division is as wide open and maybe, maybe as mediocre as it's been in a long time. Hey, Joe, it's, it's Chad here, and you, you, you touched on the pitching, and, and obviously yeah, you're not studying this team like we are on a daily basis. Uh, but you look at this team, and, and, and you saw them at their absolute peak in 2016, uh, and, and they've had a really a dominant run being the winningest team since 2015 in terms of, of winning percentage. They've got the core of Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, and Contreras. Most most teams, I think, would, would love that. Most fan bases would love that. Are you surprised this team hasn't been more dominant with the core they have? Or do you think baseball has changed so much that there are, there are many more good teams that, that have figured out all of the, the, all the tricks of the trade? Nobody's going to really surprise people with any secret weapons. Yeah, I, I think my answer is uh, is yes to both. Um, I, I am surprised that you know they've had a good run. You know, it, this has been a good run. It's obviously been a run that's included one world championship, and we all know how long it had been. And that's what made 2016 so great. You know, for me as a broadcaster, and, and beyond that, for every Cup fan out there, and for those players. But they have gone to the playoffs every year under Joe Madden, so it's not like they. You know, they've been struggling and scuffling and, and watching everybody else play in October. They've been there. But, yeah, I, I just think with that core that you mentioned, those three are about as good a three as any team can come up with. Now, obviously, Bryant had the shoulder injury last year. He looks like he's back. Rizzo can get on rolls where he looks absolutely 
uh, impossible to to retire uh, standing on the plate, just looking at one of the most imposing guys, I think, in the league uh, with the way he approaches at bats. And like I've said ten times, I think, already on the air, when Joe Madden describes uh, Baez by saying if he lays off the slider outside of the strike zone, he's Manny Ramirez with the bat. I, I just haven't been – I've been more impressed with Javi Baez uh, and his maturation at the plate and the way he's grown, uh, maybe more than anybody that I've seen in the game in, in quite a while. I, I thought he was going to be all glove, free swinger, uh, you know, hit his home runs, uh, but strike out a ton. And it just had that hasn't obviously been the case. He's just progressively got better and better. Contreras uh, is a really good player. I know uh, he's either on or is just off the disabled list or the the injured list. Uh, but but there's a core there that you love. I just think the baseball has gotten a lot younger, and and I see a lot of the teams that are exciting, like a team in Minnesota. Even the Yankees, uh, which you would never put in that category, but because of all their injuries, they've just gone from one young guy to the next. And, you know, that they've been able to tread water or succeed and really run away with the AL East while the, the core of their team has been uh, has been battling to overcome injuries. I, I think that, that there, there's a lot of, I don't want to say mediocrity, but I, I think that there's a, a, a level in this game now that everybody's pretty close to the midline, and you just don't see teams outside of, I don't know, three maybe this year. Uh, the Yankees are one of them, the Dodgers are one of them, and I still think Houston is loaded. Uh, that, that really blows you away or disappoints you. Everybody just kind of comes along at a pretty good pace, and the Cubs have done that this year, and they've done that for the most part under Joe Matt. We're talking with Joe Buck from Fox Sports. Of course, you can catch Joe uh, doing Major League Baseball, the Super Bowl, the U.S. Open. Uh, he, he's called all the big events and uh, certainly just kind enough to join us here on the Friendly Confines as our seventh inning stretch conductor. Uh, Joe, would you say, and I know it's, it may be you know, tough at this point, but looking at the National League and obviously the Dodgers, the Braves, there's you know some solid teams in there, but... If, if you were to look at it pragmatically, do the Cubs still look like the favorite in the National League, or, or you can't say that definitely right now? Well, I, to me, they're the favorite in the division, for sure. Um, and, and I'm you know, as we sit here and talk, you've got less than 10 days till the trading deadline. And so, you know, we could talk the 1st of August, and the landscape could look a lot different. I, I have a feeling the Cubs will add uh, and add wisely uh, before the trading deadline, and and that could bolt them right to the head of the class. But I I think, you know, it's hard to look at records these days and go, oh, my God, that team is just phenomenal. How are you going to beat them? And I'm thinking of the Dodgers, and I'm even thinking of the Yankees when I say that because you have the ability now with more games against your division and bad divisional teams that are tanking or rebuilding or whatever you want to call it. And you can pump up your record to the point where, you know, you can build an insurmountable lead, but then when it comes to October, it's a different animal altogether. And and so I, I don't get really wrapped up in the overall record or to say the Dodgers are running away with the NL West. They're going to win the West. They've been in the World Series the last couple of years. Are they better uh, than they were the last couple of years? Maybe because Bellinger – 
Looks like he's a legit contact guy more now. Uh, he was sitting in the postseason last year against certain starters. They, they are a better team than they have been, but uh, I, I still like I, I like the Cubs' experience. I, I like uh, I, I love the manager, um, and and I like what they've done with their bullpen. I think they have a lot of ways they can get you out at the end of games when it's a best of five or a best of seven series. So who's the favorite? I don't know, but I, I wouldn't look at the Dodgers, the Braves. You know, that's another great example of a team that's just beating up on the bottom end of their division. And the record, you know, once October comes around, it's really your, your top three starters and how good your lineup and how good the back end of your bullpen and the rest of the stuff doesn't matter. Joe, we're gonna. We want to talk about some of your 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 career moments. We want to talk about the Cubs Cardinal rivalry. We want to talk about your dad. Um, obviously, we want to talk about 2016 as well. And so, so many, uh, you know, you were there. You were there at, at the highlight of 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 every living Cubs fan. Uh, uh, the, the the crescendo of their 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 being at that moment. And you had the 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 call. It's going to be a tough play, Bryant. The Cubs have won the World Series. What what did that moment in history mean to you, knowing? all of the weight that was on that ball that was thrown over to Rizzo? Yeah, I, it, I felt it. You know, you, you felt sitting up there in the booth like you were counting how many times the ball, uh, how many revolutions the ball had going across the diamond over to first base because it was that big. You know, that that's one of those where you're kind of holding your breath, calling it, because you don't want to mess it up. And there's just so much history biting on it. And you get a, a seven-game series, and you get ten innings in game seven, and you've got an Indians team that's dying to win, and you've got a Cubs team that's so sick of, of hearing about 1908 and all the stuff that goes with it. Um, it. It was intense. And I said going in, I wrote a little piece with Michael Rosenberg, who uh, I wrote my book with, it was in SI that I said it would be the highlight of my career, and not my baseball career, but it would be the highlight of my career uh, to see that happen and to, to get a chance to call it. And it, it didn't disappoint. Uh, it, and I said that, and it came out in St. Louis, and people were, you know, your dad would be rolling over in his grave. And, and those are people that didn't know my dad, because the, the, my dad would have said and felt the same thing. When you've got, when you've got a team that hadn't won before World War One, and you've had so many great players and so many great versions of that team and all the history at Wrigley Field, and you're sitting in that stadium in a World Series for the first time since 1945, you feel all that stuff. And it, it's, it's different. It was, it was even different than calling the Red Sox winning it in 2004. It just had another layer to it because the Red Sox had been there, uh, hadn't won it, but at least they'd been there in the World Series. So it, it was uh, it was kind of breathtaking and satisfying and emotional in a weird way to, to see it happen uh, and to get a chance to call it. And you know, you all, and it, it's not unique to Chicago. I get it every year because I'm the national voice and I'm not there to call it for either side. So when fans hear you get excited for in that World Series a Kipnis home run or a Rajai Davis home run to tie it. That's my job. I, I have to do that. And and so fans aren't used to hearing that from your great announcers that do the Cubs. And so you're dealing with all that stuff and all that noise on the outside. And then you just crawl into your booth and you kind of uh, cut yourself off from the rest of the world and you 
concentrate, bear down, and do your job. And and that was one of the most satisfying two weeks of, of my professional life, if not the most. We're talking with Joe Buck from Fox Sports. The book is called Lucky Bastard, My Life, My Dad, and the Things I'm Not Allowed to Say on TV. You can also find him on Twitter, at Buck. Uh, and, of course, you can always catch him on Fox Sports uh, doing the baseball game of the week along with the NFL season. Of course, uh, been with Fox Sports for it's – it's over 20 years now, Joe, right? You've been with Fox Sports uh, at least 20, yeah, 25? I've been there been there since it was Fox Sport, as uh, John Madden used to joke. I was 24 and went out there and auditioned in uh, the spring of 1994 and basically got hired walking out of the studio after auditioning and got paired with Tim Green and actually did my first game in Chicago. My first NFL game was uh, Tampa Bay at Chicago to open the 94 season. And I grew up a Bears fan, I've talked about this a thousand times, so, you know, diehard Chicagoans who have heard me say it before, probably rolling their eyes. My grandfather, my mom's dad, played for George Chalice and played for the Chicago Bears for two years in the, uh, in the early 30s. And so when I was a kid, I had, because he was kind of my idol, my grandpa, I had a Bears helmet on my dresser. And uh, it was kind of crazy to be sitting there. And I'd never done football i'd never done high school football tried to play it never broadcast college football and i was sitting there at soldier field in 94 going what the hell am i about to do and <laughs> found my way through it and I've, I've been at fox ever since joe let me ask well, you about real quick as far as uh your relationship with the cubs and the cardinals growing up as a kid obviously there's there's that huge rivalry that's still going on today and you had such a unique perspective as a kid be it with your dad being jack buck i'm i'm curious what you were like with your relationship to obviously how much you love the cardinals but yet did you have a disdain for the cubs growing up as a kid like everyone else or was it a, a different sort of feel uh, in that regard what what was that like yeah, for you it, it's kind of different because I think I learned at a young age, and I think Lee Smith, uh, the longtime Chicago Cub, short-time Cardinal, uh, when I was broadcasting right at the start of my career, but even before that, and I'll get to Lee in a second, but I, when I would get on a, a Cardinal charter after a game with my dad, and I was a little kid, and, and you know, I knew my dad's mood kind of uh, was dependent on whether the Cardinals won or lost the night before and and i i got that bug when i was a kid and that bug kind of quickly left me when i saw guys after a big loss get on the team plane and just go on about their lives you know i think fans get way more wrapped up in it than the players actually do because they have to go out there and play and they have actual uh they have an actual hand in whether the team wins or loses, the rest of us as fans, no matter who you root for, what sport you're talking about, you're just kind of uh, held captive to how they play, and you have, all you can do is root and hope. And, and so when I saw that as a kid, I was like, well, if they're not really freaking out or crying on the team playing, why, why would I freak out about it? And uh, so a lot of that fan stuff kind of went away for me. But if you think about it, I was born in 69, the 70s were brutal in St. Louis. So I was around that team as a little kid, but they weren't very good. I mean, they, they, the Bush Stadium was empty for a lot of my childhood. And so I'd run around there and be on the field before games and 
throwing tennis balls around underneath the stadium with Ted Simmons' son, John, and we had our own little games. We weren't even watching the baseball game. We were just kind of doing our own thing. So I was around it, but I, I wasn't like a go-to-bed-in-my-Cardinal-PJ kind of a kid. And, <laughs> and the whole Cubs-Cardinal thing, I just loved going to Chicago with my dad and, and being in kind of the, the big city and, and having fun, going to dinner with him and watching him interact with, uh, with Harry, watching him interact with uh, different people around that organization. So I, I think while a lot of the fan stuff is, is mostly good-natured and fun, I, I actually think there's a, a lot of mutual respect uh, from each side. And when they get together, no matter how much they want to downplay it and act like, oh, it's just another game, it isn't. They know it's got a little bit more intensity to it. And consequently, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of respect between those two organizations when you really drill down. Yeah, Joe, some of my favorite memories are, are back in the, my TV reporting days after going to Southern Illinois University at Carbondale. And my photographer at the time, um, we were on the night shift. He was a big Cardinal fan. So I, I, I heard your dad on the radio probably more than I heard uh, any any Chicago uh, broadcaster uh, up until, you know, Pat Hughes uh, once I moved into Chicago after that. But um, so many great memories. He, he, he just was a legend and a master at his craft. What was the moment when you, that you can think back that you remember seeing him and going, hey, I'm going to do this, and, and this guy is an absolute legend? When, when did that hit you? Yeah, I, I, well, first of all, I was a dumb kid, obviously, because my mom tells me when I saw my dad on TV the first time, I, like, walked up to the TV and was banging on it. I thought he was stuck. <laughs> uh, so I was trying to, trying to free him. Uh and I was probably 15 at the time. No, <laughs> I was uh, a little kid. And uh, I, I was, I, I can honestly tell you that I knew when my dad was doing what I'm doing now, which is kind of putting on the radio voice, putting on the more professional voice when he was on the phone in his office, even when I was three or four, if I wanted to stay in there with him, I had to be quiet and I, I had to kind of be still and not really distract him. And so I, I think I was hooked when I was three, four, five, six years old. I, now I was, my book is named Lucky Bastard because I was uh, and am a lucky bastard literally and figuratively. So when I came along, I think my dad's mentality, and we talked about it later on in life, is he was kind of absent for my half-brothers and sisters. I have six of them uh, when they were growing up. And when I came along, he really wanted me with him. And I, I knew how to act. I was in an adult world when I was a little kid. And so I, I didn't want to blow that. I didn't, wanna, I didn't want him leaving me home. So I, I acted accordingly. So I was around him in the booth and on the bus and in the team hotel and all that when I was a little kid. And it wasn't just Cardinals. It was Sunday football on CBS. It was Monday night football on CBS radio, national games of the week. I mean, it wasn't just St. Louis stuff. So I, I got to travel with him when I was a little boy, and I, I don't think I ever wanted to be anything else. I, I just I wanted to be him because I saw how much he loved what he did, and I saw how people reacted when he walked into a room, especially in St. Louis, that uh, I, I think the natural, and because we were so close, the natural thing is for you to kind of want to follow in those footsteps, which I did. 
Joe, this is a good segue because I wanted to talk about the book for a moment. The name of the book, Lucky Bastard. Um, it's an incredible read. I, I absolutely loved it. I'm, I'm just curious from your end. Anytime you write an autobiography, um, you got to get personal and you got to tell raw stories about yourself that might not be the kind of stories you want millions of people to know about. I'm just wondering how difficult, if at all, that was for you to share stories about things that were hard for you in your childhood, today. You, I mean, you get personal in this, and, and I think it, it, it humanizes you so much in this. Um, but I'm curious from your end how much of that you had to kind of juggle with to say, well, how much of myself do I want to reveal? Um, because you're very revealing in it, and quite frankly, I, I think you write it so beautifully um, for, for people out there to see who you are as a real person. What was that experience like for you? Well, it, it was it was freeing. You know, I, I think it's my my opinion was if you're going to write a book, write a book. If you're going to if you're going to do, you know, that little second part, my life, you know, my dad, my life and the things I can't say on TV will make it be exactly that. And why hide stuff? You know, I, I think people when you're on TV or you're the national guy, everybody has formed an opinion. I mean, even the woman that I, I married and is my best friend, uh, her initial reaction when somebody told her that I was basically stalking her through this, this <laughs> friend, Rich Eisen, she's like, oh, not that guy. And he said, well, why would you say that? And she said, I don't even know why I say that. He just looks like an arrogant jerk. And, and then she met me, and I don't know, within two years we were married. I, I think it's a good it's a good lesson. It was then, and it is to, to this day. You know, you see people from a distance, and you think you know them, and you don't. And and it was, it was the opposite. I I had to be kind of reined back in from. There's plenty of other stuff about my half brothers and half sisters that that did happen that was in there originally that lawyers pulled out of there, and uh, I'm glad they did because I think it would have brought some headaches for me but i don't i didn't really feel like holding anything back whether it's hair plugs or being a fat kid growing up or what it was like sharing my dad with a city or you know how i came onto the earth as as uh you know a surprise and a not well-timed surprise but i i don't that stuff doesn't bother me and people have said plenty of stuff over the years and i think growing up as somebody's son in this business you know, to some people, I'll never get beyond that. Um, he died in 2002. He was my best friend. He was my best man at my wedding. Um, but I, I think I'm always going to be in his shadow to some people. He's been gone long enough that they're not aware, some aren't aware that he was even around. But I, I, I felt like if, if people are going to judge who they think I am, I'm at least going to put this out there so they can go to a library someday and say, oh, I wonder what the guy was really like. And, and that's, as, that's as natural and as raw as I can be. And I'm glad I did it that way. It was hard because I have two daughters and I do talk about divorce. And I, I did tiptoe around some of that because I didn't want them embarrassed about anything I read. And I made them both read my book before I said, okay. And it went to the printer. And once they both read it, loved it, signed off on it, then I was good with everything that was in there. 
Joe, we're going to get you out of here on one last question. If you if you look at the sporting landscape, you have, as Ryan said, you've done pretty much everything out there. What is one event, or maybe it's an event you've done, but it's a set of teams? What is what would be the Valhalla for you? What would be the the the, the pinnacle for you to be at the mic at a, a particular event or a particular competition between two different teams? Yeah, I you know I think at this point I'm wise enough to know that I'm I'm, I'm content and I'm. I never expected to do what I've done. Um, you know, you always hope the Super Bowl and we've got it this year will be fun and exciting. And the last one we did was an overtime, the only uh, overtime game uh, in Super Bowl history. Uh, that was fun. The, I mentioned the Cubs, obviously the Red Sox in 04, uh, what, what those moments were like. Uh, I think now that I've done five U.S. Opens and Tigers kind of on, his last leg, so to speak, uh, obviously winning at the Masters, but the other majors didn't go as well. I'd love to see him in contention one time when when we had it, uh, you know, fighting for it down the stretch. I don't think any, any singular athlete has meant more to their sport financially or TV viewership-wise than Tiger has uh, since he burst onto the scene. But for the most part, I mean, I've done plenty of college basketball. I've done horse jumping on TV. I've done live bass fishing on TV. I've done Robbie Knievel jumping over limousines in Vegas live on TV. I, I don't really yearn to do anything else. And now that, you know, I'm remarried, I've got one-year-old twin boys, I, I, I find myself looking for reasons to be home and be with them. So, you know, for those who like me, great. For those who don't, probably good news that uh as the years go on i'm going to be cutting stuff out not looking to add stuff so i'm i'm good my answer to the question even though it's long-winded is uh tiger woods and phil mickelson battling it uh on the last day at the u.s open at Wingfoot in 2020 and uh that's a great answer as well joe uh we're talking with the great joe buck and uh joe Thank you so, so much. We said 15 minutes. You were kind enough to stay with us for a half hour. We, we could not appreciate you more uh, for taking the time, for answering my email. And, and, and by the way, answering my email very quickly. Uh, I get people that, you know, you wouldn't even have heard of try to get on the show. It takes me two and a half, three weeks to get a response. You were so prompt. So you're, you're a true gentleman in every sense of the word. And we would love, love to have you back on if time ever permits for you to uh, come on with yeah. Chad and myself. Well, We'll do it. We'll do it in October when the uh, Cubs are chasing down another championship. I love we'll it. Hold you to that. I love thanks, it, Joe. Joe, thanks again, man, and, and best of uh, to everything to you and your family. All right, thanks, guys. Anytime. Take See care, Rhino. That seriously was a lot of fun, and and I I wanted to share this with the listeners. I, you know, so many people have an opinion on Joe, right, Ryan? I mean, people really have a clear opinion on Joe Buck. Yeah, I mean, he is definitely one of those polarizing guys that's on TV. And he even talked about it in the interview, how even his own wife, before she even met him, had these preconceived notions of who he was just based on what she saw on television. Yeah, and I, you know, so I would just say to the listeners, it did for me. um, I would just ask the listeners, I'd love for you guys to sound off. Let us know. Did your opinion of Joe Buck change? I mean, when Joe said... Calling Game 7 of the 2016 World Series and the history behind that call with the Cubs, he said that's the pinnacle of his career. I mean, that that changed my viewpoint, and I've always believed. You know, I love listening to Pat Hughes. It's jarring 
listening to the broadcast, even when David Ross is doing cover, it's different because they're not fawning over your team. It's different. They're critical at times. So, yep. you know, what a great interview, Ryan, kudos on setting that thing up. And, and uh, what was the highlight for you of the interview? I mean, I think there were a couple of things. One, the fact that he talked about what it was like to call the World Series. And then the other thing that I didn't know, and I'm pretty sure was not in his book, how about the fact that he's a big Bears fan? I knew that. He grew yeah, up a I, big Chicago I knew Bears that, fan. and that's what I always thought was interesting. Them. Yeah, that was interesting. Well, listen, all right, seriously. Everybody out there listening, let us know. Did your opinion change? Sound off. Send it. If you go into the Anchor app, you can send us a voice a voice message. You could find us on the Cubs Friendly Confines uh, Facebook page. Um, we've got a great growing community. Wanted to announce this. I'm going to share this a couple times. We're so excited, Ryan. We are now the official podcast of the awesome. Elite Cubs Fan um, Facebook page. So the awesome. Elite Cubs Fan community of about twelve to 13,000 Cubs fans. So we're excited about bringing additional uh, um, uh, material and different uh, interviews for you as well. We hope you enjoy the show. Make sure you subscribe, share, let us know what you think. Let's build an active community. We can find Joe Buck at, at Buck on Twitter. Ryan, where can you find us? Yeah, well, you can find me at Ryan D. Lieber. And you can find Chad at Cubs Confines. As we always say, we always want to interact with you guys, the listeners, and get your feedback on what we can do better and what you guys ultimately want to hear in our interviews and on the podcast. Love it. Love it. Well, buddy, that was a fun episode. That We, we had these special edition ones where we break the interview. That was the interview in its in entirety, fully unedited. That was Joe Buck with Ryan and Chad. Everybody listening, we cannot wait for the next episode and bring you another blockbuster guest. Until next week, guys, this has been the Friendly Confines. Rhino signing off. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game For I've seen other teams and it's never the same When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're a field The first time you walk into Wrigley